At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Well, buy the dip worked again yesterday. We'll talk about that. The weakness we saw at the open for the first couple of hours of the session just undone at around 10.30 or 11 o'clock and buy the dip worked again. So we'll talk about the rotation and just the buy the dip mentality that we're continuing to see out there in the market. As far as individual movers, Twitter is in the crosshairs of the president and the chip stocks are weak today. Uh, and a few other uh, or some earnings on our, on our radar as well. We had Workday uh, after the close. We had uh, Autodesk, uh, Toll Brothers as well, some retail reporting today. As far as guests, two guests today. Our first guest is Mark Chicken at 8.15. And then at 9, I will air an interview that I did uh, about a week ago with uh, Jim Cassiopo. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Juicy. They are a cannabis company. We're going to talk about the how COVID is just affecting the cannabis industry right now. So Mark at 8.15, Jim at 9. I'll bring Joel in now. Joel, what's the word here overnight? Uh, good morning, Spencer. Good morning, listeners. Uh, bouncy range last night. Uh, we got up to 30.53.75. That's a high of the rebound. Nothing up there for you folks uh, from my daily levels. Pre-market low, 30.28. I don't have anything there either. So we'll be keeping an eye on the close, the high close of the rebound, 35.50, as well as mid-range on the session, 41. But uh, a yo-yo session here overnight. Uh, crude off 13 cents at 32.67. Gold up 11.80 at 17.22 and a half. Silver up 14.3 cents at 17.90. And Bitcoin up $115 at $9,365. Uh, Triple D, I'm going to bring you in here, but before we get your market commentary, I have a trivia question that you guys don't know the answer to. And I'm going to give you guys, everyone, five seconds to respond to it. And if you get it, you get 15 minutes phone call or Skype call or Zoom call with me, and I will reveal one of my secrets of technical analysis. That, oh. that, that, that sounds like a penalty. 15 are you minutes. ready? Are you guys ready? <laughs> I don't know if I want to win this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you guys are not eligible. Okay. All right. We're going to be quiet here in the background. What's the trivia question? Chad, are you ready? A 15-minute Zoom call with Joel, that's kind of fun. Okay. I do it every day, but... What happened, and I'm only going to... I'm going to count down five seconds. What happened 31 years ago today? I I, I have a guess. I feel like I have a half-decent guess. 
31 years ago. So the, the year would be 19, if my math is right, 1989. That It's all, uh, you guys it, all... Well, no, no, no. You got to give people time. Yeah, you give like two a, seconds. There's a, a seven-second delay. There's a delay on the broadcast. Got to give Pretty people tough. time. All right. Uh, gosh. What happened is... 31 years ago today? So <sighs> I... May 28th, 1989. I mean, Oilers I lost the Stanley Cup. I, I, have, a, I have a Calgary couple won guesses. it that year. I have a couple guesses. <laughs> I believe I 1989. That's a Lanny McDonald year. Okay. okay, wait, I can, think... can, can I, can we guess? Can I guess or no? You can guess, Spencer. That's okay, the... well, before I guess, can I ask? Well, there's a lot of people no, saying this. No, what is this not? This is not like call a friend. A lot of this people are saying like... this is market crash. Was it the market crash? No. Was no. there a market crash in 89? <laughs> uh, no, there are some funny 87. answers. 87. Um, was it, first of all, is this your anniversary? Yes. Oh, oh Spencer I'll... guesses it. I Did got anybody it? in the chat get it? <laughs> Wedding. My my, my first crack guess. on Pop said a wedding, so that's not bad. Yeah, that's Who said Nick that? said he divorced his first wife. That, that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, Snap so. crack on Pop came the the guest wedding. That was a uh, guest wedding. Oh wait, no wait, close. beer guy. Wait, wait, beer guy. There we go. You got married. There it is. When was it though? Uh, I don't know. Eight oh five. What did beer guy say this? Eight oh five. A minute right ago. There he's, uh, you got says married. you got married. Eight oh five. There it is. Okay, beer guy. Ago. That was probably after the 15 seconds, but uh, send me an email. Now we're good to happy anniversary. And beer guys, send a, send a link. Happy anniversary, Joel. Send, me, a, send me an email, joel at benzinga.com. I don't want saying uh, DDD was born. I wish I was born in 1989. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was born in 1976, so a few years older. All right, Triple D, this yeah, market. What's up? I would What's say up? this market is making you pull your hair out, but uh, I don't have your, much hair Laura right now, cut it all my off. wife did a number on me. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think I, I, here? Unbelievable, the resilience of this market. So yesterday, I even tweeted out before the open on the banks. And I tweeted Crazy out. Crazy open. It, it, the, the, the opening imbalances in the banks were just absolutely ridiculous. I'm like, I'm going to short them all. I'm going to short them all on the open. And I shorted Bank of America, and I shorted City, and I shorted JP Morgan, all on the open. And I had a pretty good feeling that they were going to open at the opening tick. They came in hard. When you see, you know, you know, it felt like it was upside capitulation. It felt like everybody had to buy. And that's the exact time you want to be shorting. So I shorted the open on all the banks. And, you know, scalper blood and me, it came right in. I mean, I made 60 cents on Bank of America in 60 seconds. So, you know, talking 2%, it was straight down. Like by the time I brought it up, it was already down 30 cents. JP Morgan, same story. Um, it came right in. It felt like I actually wanted to hold some of these shorts because I was like, this could be the high for a while. Well, it was a high for an hour and a half. And then they started to buy them at 11 o'clock. And the same thing, Crazy same story. Rebound. They just came in with their buying shoes on. And obviously, you know, we had some real weakness in the stocks that we've been talking about, the, the, the crowded trades of everybody hiding in those lockdown stocks, the stay-at-home stocks, Amazon, Shopify. Amazon was down like $70. Shopify was down 85 points. A lot of stocks, really, really weak. And at 11 o'clock, they just decided, no, buy the dip always works. They started buying the dip, and they did not stop all day. And they bought it all the way out. So the bloody S&P is making new highs. Spy's down five or six, seven points from the highs of the day. So you're talking 60, 70 handles off the highs. It felt like this was the turn. 
no, you cannot stop whoever is keeps buying the dip, and it's, I guess it's everyone. It's unbelievable. That trade is just so bloody consistent of just, you know, you get a 2 3% pullback, you come in and buy it, and you make money. I mean, the sell the rip is consistent too. So if you've been selling the rips the last couple of days on the open, you've been making money too. Like I said, I had a really good day yesterday, one of my best days in a while, because I went short all those banks off the open. But I, if you don't cover an hour and a half <laughs> later, like Goldman Sachs, so bring up GS, opened up really high, pretty high, 203, comes in a couple of bucks, but then they just turned around and started buying it. It wasn't as extreme as Bank of America or JP Morgan. There was some size of 200, I believe, that held it, did the Goldman Sachs uh, print down a little bit as well. So there was just a lot of you know sellers there at 200. They would have got the price improved up to 202, but I held down the opening print a bit. But unbelievable, this market is so bloody resilient. And I thought for sure we had like, you know, we started to roll up around 3, 3.15. We were rallying, 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 getting near the end of the day high. And I'm like, what a setup. What a setup for the final hour flush, right? And I positioned myself accordingly. And before I knew it, I was, I was stopped out and the market just kept on going. I was like, this yep. is it. They're, you know, they're, this, it that, felt like this. a turn. Yeah, I thought, but it came all the way back. I'm like, oh, the big volume was selling on the way down. The light volume's taking it back up, just, you know, teeing it up. I thought it was an absolute perfect setup. And yep. then I'm like, sting, stop. It was for an hour. Ding, stop, ding, stop. Um, Shorting I, I that don't... open was a perfect setup, and it worked for an hour and a half. It was a nice open if you were shorting that open. A lot of stocks open on their high tech, like no heat. And, you know, you, this is what you see. Like, you see this, you know, markets up, 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 and then, okay, well, now they're just getting ridiculous. And when it gets ridiculous, you know, on the open, a lot of times that's when you see a turn. And the sellers did come in, but the buyers just overpower them again. And here we are. We're going right back up again. This is a so. sneaky day, though. Uh, this is a sneaky day. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but it's just the way we're bouncing around overnight, it's not just like, Okay, we got this thing up thirty, and now we're just gonna make it forty, and then fifty. It just—I think it's you know—the volatility crept back into the market yesterday. Market still ended up, but you had one of your more volatile days. So I'm giving it a day or two. I'm not calling the top here again or anything, but I don't know. I, if we pose a new clo closing high for the rebound here, and I just—I mean, it would just be you know buy them on Friday, settle on the highs of the week. Hold them over the weekend, open higher on Monday. I mean, it's just uh, the same scenario, but you do have some volatility overnight here. Uh, four minutes before we bring in Mark Chaikin of Chaikin Analytics. Uh, you want to hit Can we uh, just uh, talk Trump for a second here and the okay. social media stocks before we go into Chaikin? Um, sure, is... go ahead. Oh, so, Spencer, give us the details. We know Twitter. Okay, give us the whole story on Twitter because it started with Twitter here a couple days ago. They talked about, you know, something to do, I don't know, exactly limiting or, or, or putting something in Trump's tweets. Uh, well, Trump. he uh, he tweeted some things uh, over the weekend uh, that got a lot of people upset uh, about. He tweeted a cons uh, conspiracy theory about a uh, yeah. Joe Scarborough. And, and uh, then he, he, he had a tweet uh, about uh, elections and Twitter put, like, Twitter's version of a of a of a correction, which is not really a correction. It was they put like a fact checking link underneath his tweet. It was like to to just for Trump. See, 
Uh, just for this tweet, yeah, because uh, what he said was mis- was misleading in the tweet. Okay. Uh, so that got uh, him riled up, and yeah. now he's due to sign an executive order today, um, saying I- I'm not quite sure what this really is a symptom of a larger problem that <laughs> there's really no oversight of uh, I- the internet and and social media platforms in general the the last um the last major leg- legislation on the issue was from 1996 this is cool. the this is the law that basically exonerates um online platforms from whatever their users say uh and that was before amazon reviews that was before social media that was before facebook and youtube and everything so so the, there's really no oversight so every, everyone's kind of feeling around in the, in the dark here there's a lot of different opinions but uh i guess he's gonna try to put some sort of limitations on twitter and I, i'm not really sure because we don't really know what a, every that. every social media platform every website has like clinged to the section 230 of this law from 96 uh as like look the law says we're not liable for what our users say say and do so i'm not really sure we, we probably need more oversight on these companies but uh this is really just a symptom of a larger problem in, in so my we don't know what is actually going to be said here today we just know he's going to come down on I mean, he's going he's to he's gonna come down on them. Yeah, that's what. That's so Twitter what is down a buck and a half, worried that they don't know what's going. This is going to be. Do we know what time this is going to happen? This executive order. Uh, give I it time? don't. Just today, I, we just know today. I don't know what time. So Facebook's down four and a half bucks ahead of it. Snap is trading down about thirty cents ahead of this. Twitter is trading down substantially because obviously it was the one that started this. Um, you know, with Trump, and it's down a buck and a half. If they gets ugly on this, if Twitter comes back to thirty bucks, it depends what is said, obviously. But I think you know if the market really gets spooked and it really gets a sell off from this, I'd probably be buying the dip. Um, I'd like to get my Facebook back, but it's way uh, above where I sold. I sold Twitter around thirty, so I could get potentially get it back here. I want to get these stocks back in my long term portfolio, Twitter and Facebook. So I'd be buying the dips if they're substantial. I'm not buying this ahead of it, although maybe maybe I want to because maybe it's not going to be that bad. I don't know, 30 bucks I'm interested in Twitter, just from a technical basis. I don't know what's going to be said here, though. Uh, down a buck 40 after getting hit yesterday. Uh, full disclosure, I've been in this one for a long time and probably going to keep it for a longer time. Uh, it got hit on the news. Uh, managed to pop almost on change, what I, which was you, if you're really quick and you're looking to get out on change on the session, you had – just one moment trading down another buck 45 in the pre-market it's had a big run i mean i see how it reacts on the news and then this way i mean twitter's pretty good it will it will give you a, like an, a level and then it will hit that level a couple times yeah. so it's not like you have to it will give you a double bottom or a triple bottom or three or four lows in the same area uh, right now, I'd be looking at thirty-one, thirty-nine. That's your four-day low. Um, after that, there's another buck drop to thirty, forty-five. It trades pretty good technically. I think I could it get does. a shot at that thirty. And um, you know, just looking—that's been a level for you. Go back over months and even years on Twitter. Thirty has always been a level for this thing. It held that support back in 2014, 2015, eventually took it out. And then back in 2018, 2019, all kinds of support down this $29, $30 area. So this price is memory. And I think you get a shot here again at 30 bucks. I'm going to be a buyer this time because we're, you know, it's basically just looking, you know, at the, uh, that, you know, 30 was resistance from April.
April, March. I know we snuck up of it late April. Breaks out, now comes back. So you think, you know, just from a technical basis, point of reference was the 30 breakout. So maybe we come back, retest that, maybe even today on some bad news. And you get a shot. I think it bounces off of 30. So I'm interested. I might actually be a buyer at Twitter at 30 today. If it was to get down there, 3160. I don't know if I'm going to get a shot. If it gets down there, I think I'm going to be a buyer. Let's get our, our guest thoughts on this. Mark Chaikin is the founder of Chaikin Analytics. Joins us every other Thursday. Mark, good morning. Oh, wait. Is he on mute? My mistake. He's on mute. Let's try unmuting your microphone, Mark. Good morning. How's that? Hey. How we doing, Mark? Oh, good. My, my uh, men's clippers came in uh, two days ago. <laughs> I, I looked like uh, Howard Hughes on a bad day. I think most people That's on good. this broadcast don't know who Howard Hughes was. But. Oh, for, oh, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'm the only one here that hasn't, hasn't uh, gotten a haircut yet since we started, and, and it shows. So. My hair is short, too, Mark. My wife did me on the weekend here with the haircut, and she buzzed. And she actually was trying to leave it longer, but then she messed up, so she had to go shorter. <laughs> yeah. These clippers were out of stock for six weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, wild. Um, I, I agree with you on Twitter. That would be uh, the power gauge rating is bullish. Interestingly, the power gauge rating has turned bullish on Twitter, on Netflix, a lot of names that in the past it's been neutral on. Mm -hmm. And I, 30 is an ideal level. It's the, I think, the convergence of the 21-day average and our long-term trend line. So should be a good support level. Jump over. What are your thoughts here on just this overall market and the resilience that we continue to see? I mean, we get a significant sell-off and a lot of, you know, names that were crowded like Amazon. Yesterday, we saw Shopify. We saw NVIDIA trading down at one point over $25 from the day before, actually over $30 from the close. And they just come and they snap them right back. And, and you know, here we are, you know, one day later, and a lot of these stocks got back all their, you know, significant losses from the morning of just yesterday and they continue this party just continues to go higher the s p trading 70 handles above where it was at 11 o'clock yesterday what what are your thoughts here i mean this market is so disconnected from the economy it makes me as a logical trader i struggle with it to a certain extent but i mean we can always trade stuff technically what are your thoughts here i think the uh, dumb machines have overwhelmed the smart money so uh the hedge funds have really been maintaining their shorts. There's been some covering, but then they've um, done additional shorting. And with the market above 3,000, they're pretty much forced to cover. And uh, when I say the dumb machines, the algorithms yesterday kicked in when the reopening of the economy looked like it was moving forward successfully. And that's in quotes because we won't know for a month or so whether success is defined by commerce restarting or people dying again. But once it was clear that the economy was restarting, they started dumping the stocks that had done well in the rally, and then the cyclicals took over. And you also had the Chinese uh, rhetoric heating up and um, the uh, Canadians um, weighing in. Is it Huawei? What's, how do we pronounce that uh, Chinese communication? Yep, Huawei. Yeah, and so I think it was clear what was happening yesterday. The, the leaders like um, Microsoft, Adobe, and by the way, they finished down on the day. So I think this was a group rotation, but basically above 3,000, the commodity trading advisors who have the vol and the momentum funds, 
and the short covering um, is an incendiary mix. And uh, I, much as I've been cautious as you have, reflecting the numbers to come, not the numbers we've seen yet, uh, you have to respect the fact that this is a machine-driven market. It's tough to be short. I mean, you get these little opportunities like yesterday morning where, it, okay, it feels like it's a turn and it works for an hour or two and then the yeah. buy the dip mentality just comes back in. Like, And, you know, a lot of, how much does this have to do, we can blame the machines a lot, but there's a lot of newer traders here too that are just coming into the markets and they've had, you know, if you just opened your account in the last month and a half, you're like looking at this stock market like this is easy money because we know newer traders are primarily just long. I think some of these platforms, you know, they even discourage shorting on some of these platforms. I mean, the market's been, you know, had this wicked rally from the lows where we're up 30, over 30% from the lows. And if you've opened an account in the last month and a half and just been buying stocks, you're making money and you must think this is just the easiest thing ever. Could this just be like a retail driven to a certain extent? Like, um, you know, on some of these stocks, for instance, you know, stocks that, you know, obviously, you know, valuations have been thrown out the window. Do you think retail has a part in this? I thought it did. And then I read a study from Morgan Stanley that said it's really ins inconsequential in the scheme of things. Not big uh, enough. Yeah, th this is really the machines program to um, shift gears when they see um, certain keywords and basically, you know, the words vaccine and reopen and such are really is what driving the market. I, I know some Wall Street veterans who are tearing their hair out and thinks that, that this is just a travesty, but it's a reality. It's, it's just a different form of momentum. We had it in the 90s. We had it in the 70s. This is algorithmic news parsing, driving momentum traders, and you can't stand in front of it. However, um, and, and I don't think you want to short the indices, by the way, unless you do equal weighted S&P as opposed to the SPY. So you could short the RSP. Uh, but I think there are individual names. If you're bearish, you could be shorting FedEx, UPS. They're still in downtrends. They've got bearish take and power gauge ratings, bearish money flow. So there are some names you could be shorting, but I think as much as I've been cautious here, very tough to fight the Fed. I wish I had uh, keyed in on that sooner with the technicals, you know, uh, suggesting an uptrend above 2,600. And the fact that we ha just haven't had a significant pullback. We had a 4% pullback two weeks ago, and that was it. So um, I'm not wildly bullish here. I think uh, for instance, you had an opportunity in Regeneron yesterday after the Sanofi news traded as low as um, 22. And uh, Sandy, my wife, Sandy, stepped in and bought it at 28 and saw nice. it up to 53 a few day, a few hours later, closed yeah. around 48. Uh, but I think there are some other stocks you want to look at here on pullbacks, Netflix, PayPal, Fortinet. These have been stocks that have been super strong. And I think you're going to get buying opportunities in these stocks. So rather than short the SPY here, which is the, the liquidity way to play the short side, uh, I, I would be shorting some individual names and also look at the banks. I just don't see how the banks can make money in the new uh, post-COVID world unless and until we get back up to full speed. 
We're on the line with Mark Chaikin of Chaikin Analytics, joining us the show every other Thursday to give his thoughts on the markets. Uh, a lot of talk over the last couple of days has been the rotation in the markets out of the big boys into the laggards. I mean, I'm looking right now, the S&Ps are green on the session. I'm looking at the top five components. I mean, some of this is, uh, you know, uh, Trump's order weighing on it. But overall, I mean, do you look at this rotation as like a good thing? It's going to be more of a broad-based rally or these stocks let us up, they're going to lead us down. Well, the broad-based rally is obviously good. You don't want to see the generals with no troops behind them, uh, to quote an all Wall Street expression. And you could look at the IWO, which is the growth Russell 2000. Uh, it's had a bullish power gauge rating. Enormous shake in money flow tells you that people have been buying this as a way to play small cap growth. And uh, I, I think broadening out depends on what you really – uh, in your heart, believe is going to happen to the economy over the next uh, six quarters. If the economy is not going to reflect a successful reopening, you know, small um, growth companies don't see a pickup in revenue and profits, then I think this is a false breakout in terms of broadening breadth. And uh, this is a long-winded way of saying, I think um, Dennis really nailed it when he said you can trade the technicals, but I think you really do have to trade the technicals here because with the Fed injecting and the technical strong, very tough to take the opposite view. So Mark, what, what stocks would you be watching here? You, you mentioned a couple, PayPal, Netflix, but, can you, but tell, us, tell us why, give us a little bit more about that. Well, these stocks have been strong. Uh, they're not purely a uh, stay at home play. Uh, particularly PayPal. I mean, P PayPal has, has been a strong stock uh, before COVID and it's strong now. Uh, and healthcare has really underperformed in the last month. Health, the healthcare ETF is basically flat. So I think uh, some of these good biotech and healthcare companies like Regeneron, like Vertex, uh, are interesting buys on weakness here. Uh, and and so, I, you know, I think the Pelotons, the Zooms of the world, the stocks that are obviously stay-at-home plays uh, are not stocks I'd want to buy on dips. Uh, but some of these good companies that have bullish power gauge ratings, strong money flow, I think are, uh, there are opportunities coming up. But I would, I would urge you to take a look at UPS. Now, there have been deliveries, obviously galore. We get a delivery at least every, every day or every other day. So why isn't UPS, why, why isn't FedEx stronger knowing that the economy is going to reopen? I think if you look at the UPS chart, a daily chart, you get a sense of um, caution that you need to be aware of relative to the economy. That chart should look a lot better. Now, granted, Amazon is getting their own fleet of planes, but why isn't that chart better if the economy and the reopening is actually going to lead to a broadening out of, um, of breadth and, and economic activity. It's just not there. I read you look, I read you look at that chart, what do you see? Uh, it's got a UPS major resistance up here near 100 bucks. I mean, this has been this point where in the last few months it struggled, but it's trying to come back. FedEx looks a little bit better, but again, it's bumping its head up against resistance here too. So they've had a little bit of a run, but 
you know, these stocks haven't come back. Like if you think everybody's, you know, del getting everything delivered, you'd think the, the logically you'd think these stocks would do better too. I agree with you. Um, the one, one, I did read an interesting article on the weekend on why UPS and FedEx are underperforming and they're trying to say, and, and it may be right that the margins that they make on individual household deliveries are not that good because they get like drop off one package and they got to drive all around where they really make the money is, you know, to businesses where you've got, you know, big bulk shipments going into and there's better margins because you don't have, you know, a driver driving here and driving there and driving everywhere. So that they actually have struggled because of, you know, because people think logic, oh, UPS, FedEx are going to do well, even if we're in lockdown. And this article is saying they don't do well because they make most of their money on big purchases and bulk purchases from businesses. So if you think we're reopening, I would think these stocks should do well. But this is more, they was arguing that this is a reopening play and not a stay at home play. Well, you're right. I mean, they're part of the supply chain and the supply chain is something that's going to be reevaluated uh, in theory with um, maybe uh, repatriating some of the manufacturing. But I, I think, you know, that's someone's dream of an ideal world where uh, the borders are closed and we make everything here and, and to heck with India and China. I just, you know, I don't see that happening. There's, there's too much um, that has to go right for that to be a reality. But uh, I think you've got to respect the trend. Now, we're very overbought here, but I will tell you that all the statistical um, analysis of breaking the 200-day average after being under it for 50, 100 uh, days, and then, you know, bursting through it, all of them point to higher prices three, six, and 12 months later, and we're talking 10 or 11 percent. Now, in the context of the kind of volatility that we've seen, 10% is, is really a hiccup, but it does speak to higher prices down the road. Now, I, I think we're in an unprecedented situation. We've talked about that endlessly over the last three months. And I, I'm not sure you can apply these old statistical um, analyses, but there's no denying that going through the 200, 90% of the stocks are above their 50-day average. We're very overbought. It's a bullish condition. And, and the key thing is the Fed is providing unlimited liquidity. We just got uh, jobless claims, 2.1 million initial claims filed last week that it was on the low end of the estimate of the range. The range was around 2.1 to 2.4 million. Uh, so 2.1 million jobless claims filed last week. That brings the total now to uh, 40, 41 million uh, since this crisis started. And yeah, I don't know if the market moved on Mark, that. Mark, what? Yeah, no. Mark, I mean, if we haven't been moving off those numbers, Mark, we got a, a couple, just another minute or two here left with you. And uh, what will kill this rally? And um, I don't think anything will, right? I mean, as long as the Fed, uh, you know, is behind the market, I mean, people are looking. I mean, when the machines flip, they flip, but we thought they flipped yesterday and no can do that market just came rolling back. I'm watching the, uh, boy, they are still hammering these NASDAQ stocks. Oh, they're hammering the tech today. today. Holy yeah. moly. NASDAQ's down. So one over 1% right now, SP still green. This rotation Crazy. out of tech and into value or, you know, so-called value, like lower P multiples, like banks and stuff is incredible here. It's three days now where we've seen incredible rotation here and it is continuing here this morning. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, usually you see two or three days of this and then it starts to subside and starts to go back the other way. Um, I, I don't know. This is incredible. 
Well, I think uh, what kills the rally, sadly, is if people die because of the reopening yep. in, in a pattern that suggests that, that the, first of all, I don't think we're going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. I don't, I, even if there's a second wave, I don't think this country has the appetite for another shutdown and, and sheltering in place. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't see it. Uh, you know, the, the social unrest would be uncomfortable for everybody. But I think what puts a lid on this rally is if it turns out that, you know, congregating on beaches on, on the Ozark Lakes or at the, um, you know, the Alabama uh, Gulf uh, is damaging to your health. And we won't know that for two to four weeks. But clearly, um, there's a good portion of this country that doesn't believe in social distancing, doesn't think wearing face masks is is important. And if that turns out to be uh, health-wise damaging, that would put an end to the rally. Also, once the shorts cover, and I think it's probably, we're probably within a week or so of the hedge fund shorts um, being neutralized, that would take a big demand factor out of the market. So if all you're left with is machines, then you can start to see a two-way market again. But when you've got the machines who know what the hedge funds are doing, keying off the news, Pretty tough to put a lid on it, as you said, uh, Joel. Mark Shakin is a longtime veteran of the markets, founder of Shakin Analytics. Mark, as always, thanks for the time and okay. stay safe. Yep, you too. Always All a right. pleasure. All right, 8.33 here, guys. Let's move on to some other stocks here. I want to go to the uh, tech, uh, specifically earnings. HPQ reported after the close yesterday. Uh, weighing on sentiment here this morning, the earnings were like EPS was, was actually good, okay. Uh, they beat the estimate. Sales were light, and they gave some Q3 EPS guidance. They guided uh, a range that was just below the estimate there, so a little bit light on the Q3 EPS guidance for what was an okay report, an okay earnings report. Um, I own HPQ. I sold half of it before the report because I didn't want to take it through the report. Um, I value tech but this has been a you know a really a stock that's underperformed for a long time so it's not surprising that the stock disappoints does the dip get bought maybe it's not something that i want to add to though um i bought it during, during the dip i'm still even up with it at 16 dollars, but uh i don't know there's better places for your money probably didn't you i thought you dumped this after the uh the deal with, or when that deal was yeah i rebought it so I, I dumped it up at 20 or 20, some of 2021, when, when they were trying to get the Xerox deal, which I didn't think was going to ever go through. And uh, I came back in and I bought it. I just bought it recently during, okay. you know, in the last like month, just because it's been bounced around 14, 15. And I, I wanted the stock back. So obviously they thought they were worth more. Obviously Xerox thought they were worth more. So I've been just playing it that way. Um, just on the whole, uh, just on, just on the trade that, well, they think they're worth more, and Xerox thought they were worth more. And you know, here they, Xerox was trying to pay twenty two, twenty three. Things at fourteen, fifteen bucks. There's some value here. It's got a dividend. I don't think it's going away. Obviously, the the lockdown has hurt them because you think about less paper being used. You know, Hewlett Packard's mainly, but they have the three D printing businesses as well, which is going to be eventually the growth area. So I like it down in the fourteen, fifteen area. I think it's not going to be one that's going to just turn around on a dime and be a leader though, but I think it eventually comes back. So that's why get it back at 1415. It's interesting again. Uh, Pre-market low 1580, really nothing there on the dailies to back up that low. Uh, but it just kind of seems 
don't know, it's being protected a little bit right now. So I think even if you breach that 1580 low this morning, don't know if you're going to see 1532. That's your next daily low. Uh, that was from May 18th. So hold that pre-market low. I got a chance to rebound. Long ways to go. Not a long ways. Uh, the bottom of yesterday's range was 1679 if you're looking for a gap fill. But uh, really f hard to find a daily number uh, that may gives me a lot of confidence in that pre-market low holding up for the entire session. This is a rotation. I'm still amazed by it here today. Holy macro, some we just stopped just, again. We just, yeah, we like S&P's ripping. Q's are just not participating at all. You're seeing, let's just go to the big components. Apple's down two bucks here right now on a day. You're up over 10 points. Amazon's down 28 points here this morning. So it's the full rotation into the reopening. And they are, the market is fully on that we are going back to normal. And, you know, we're going to sell these lockdown stocks because these things, we don't need these things when we're going to be reopening the economy. I mean, it, the rotation here has just been nothing short of incredible for the last few days. And it is continuing big time here this morning. Uh, Shopify is trading down 19 points here now. Again, if you're hiding in those stocks, the trade's coming off. I don't know when it stops, but there was a lot of money hiding in Shopify. There was a lot of money hiding in Peloton. There was a lot of money hiding in the gaming stocks. We saw it come off hard yesterday. It did bounce. Again, we're seeing more selling into it. I tend to agree with Mark. I think eventually some of these stocks are going to be buys, especially some of the gaming ones, which I already own a bunch of them, just because there's a lot more value there than you know looking at Peloton trading with ridiculous valuations. But again, the Peloton story I don't think is over. Get Peloton down that $35 area, I think it'd be a good buy. I don't know if it gets there though. Shopify, I think eventually it's still going to a thousand bucks, but it's going to be a slippery slope getting there. I would love to get Shopify back in the low 600s. I don't think it gets there, but if it did, I'd be a buyer. All right, you guys want to go back to cover a couple more of the earnings from yesterday and this yeah. morning because we had a, we had a few. Yeah, uh, sure, just uh, just uh, software names, Autodesk and Workday both reported yesterday. Let me get those numbers and NetApp as well. Let's do let's do Autodesk and Workday here. ADSK reported an EPS beat and a sales beat. Workday EPS miss and the sales beat. Autodesk also gave guidance uh, for the the current quarter that was light on the EPS estimate and also uh, light compared to the sales estimate. They also gave guidance for the fiscal year, which was also light uh, on both the EPS and sales. So light guidance from Autodesk and Workday. I don't see any guidance from them. Um, I own Workday. I still have it there. This 180 level is going to be pesky. It is up here. Um, I wouldn't chase anything up 10 bucks, especially when it's Momo and tech. So don't be surprised if this thing starts to leak. Um, I'm not going to sell it because I've been in it for a while and I need a little bit of Momo stuff. A lot of my stuff we know is value oriented and cheaper. Um, I kind of like it just from a diversity perspective, the work day in there, but um, talking against my book here a little bit, I, I'm in, I'm actually <laughs> part of me. A lot of me wants to sell this, sell this pop. So uh, straight up to 183.75, yeah. right? Straight up, and you've backed off, but someone likes to stock it down 179, 178 and a half. They're just yeah. a real consistent buyer there. So if you're buying it off the hop, you don't want to see it breach that level. It's not much under there, but you've got a buyer there for now. And then on the dailies, man, you 
you're really in no man's land at 183.75. There's resistance up here at 180, and it's struggling there this morning. Yeah, I see a 180. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I see a a 180.72 and a 180.70 high. This was back uh, near the end of February. So, yeah, but but it's holding there. Let's see, 181. Well, above 181, and then I'd look for that pre-market high. But opening into a double top, I see that. Oh, and uh, I looked at this Autodesk chart, and I like I really don't have much of a comment on this one. It's way off the low from yesterday, right? Not, not way off, but 92.51. And actually, that's a double bottom to the tick, 192.51. So if you wanted to try and wait and pick this up on the cheap, 192.51, pair of lows there. And if you get any, I don't know, if you get near the close, 199.81, that was right near the high at 199.82. So pretty wide open in this one. And then I keep looking at this rotation. I'm just amazed here. I can't like, the texts are all red. Every tech stock is red, heavy red. And every, you know, the banks are higher. It's all the same, same story here. Just this clock. I did buy one stock for my long-term portfolio yesterday. And I talked about it on the show. I actually asked uh, Christian about it, Procter and Gamble. Um, and it's actually I bought it one twelve and a half yesterday because nice. I, I feel like it was just a play where we've got a lot of lows in the same area. Um, consumer staples aren't going away. It's significantly off the lows. I know Kramer actually said it last night on his show too that he actually liked Procter and Gamble. Um, I think eventually it gets back to 125. So it's just uh, it's a tra- it's a kind of it's a, it's a long term investment for me. But at the same time, it gets back up to 125, 130. I would get out of it like I did with the target. I just think there's value here, Procter and Gamble, at 112. Uh, I see that multiple lows at the one one eleven fifty area, uh, trading up a buck eleven today. You had a better call yesterday, and I wish you uh, should have bought that tap. Oh, I know. And I didn't. And I, I called this one on the show. I was like, this is one that's been sleepy and hasn't went yet. And it opened and just ran. And TAP trading up here a little bit again this morning. It's bid up at $40. So it had a two and a half point run. It was intern that gave us that stock, I believe, from the chat. And we were looking for stocks that hadn't run yet and were sitting near the lows. And he's like, tap. And I'm like, that's a good setup. And I wish I would. I forgot about it. And I never went back to it till, you know, like, 11 o'clock or 10 30 i'm looking i was like oh man i wanted to buy that on the open but i totally forgot about it and obviously gapped up so maybe it wasn't that easy to get but tap would have been a good one uh, i want to do a couple more just earnings just this morning dollar tree and dg both reported and they both were good uh, as at least compared to estimates both dollar tree and dollar general reporting eps above the estimate and sales above the estimate whew Dollar Dollar General has been an unbelievable performer. Like you, know, you just look at these two stocks, and maybe it's the Dollar General. Like I feel like Dollar General has you know more food, more. You know, they're different stores. These aren't the same. But Dollar General is sitting here at all time highs, and Dollar Tree not the case. DLTR is still significantly off of its all time highs. So if you're just looking at relative strength, I mean Dollar Tree's all time highs one nineteen, and we're ninety five here this morning, so we're trading up eight bucks on Dollar Tree, but significantly off the highs where dollar general is making new all-time highs uh there was a pay somebody wrote a note yesterday i forget who it was i was saying this was like their best idea dltr and they're right so whoever that analyst was congrats it was a good call stocks trading up seven bucks on its report i think on pullbacks i'd be interested i'm not chasing again again just keep reiterating 
I'm not chasing stuff in this market. It's not paying to chase. It's paying still to buy the dip and sell the rip. Yesterday, if you're selling the rip on the open, you're making money. If you're buying the dip at 11 o'clock, you're making money. If you're buying the dip and selling the rip, you're doing it backwards. So, or if you're, if you're, I'm getting myself confused, but if you're buying the, the rip and selling the dip, you're doing it backwards. So buy dips, sell rips, same story continues here. Uh, Dollar Tree just pressing up, up 759. Nothing, uh, nothing here for you, folks. You're above your November 27th high, and then you got a high at 98.98, and that was on November 26th. So if you want to look at that as a target, and then you get into this whole gap area up to 109.75. But I guarantee you this thing is going to have, when it already has an eight-point range, They'll probably have a 20-point range today. This one really likes to move. Uh, Dollar General spiked up. Someone got really excited, 193.41. Uh, no can do on that. I just going to take a lot to get it back up there. Uh, yesterday's high, well above that. I'd use that to close in the high from yesterday as support, 187.20. What else was on your guys' list? Because I know we had Disney. Uh, Oh, that's right. That's right. Disney, Go talk you know, Disney. Disney announced their plans yeah. to reopen yesterday. Yeah. I guess they want to get the magic back. So the plans yeah. are. What's the date? Uh, let me find it. I wrote it down. July 15th, uh, Epcot, Hollywood Studios are July 15th. Uh, Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom are July 11th. So those are the dates July there. 11th. So another month. Yep. Uh, you're going to have to wear a mask, temperature checks. We knew that already. Uh, limited capacity, but at least we have a date. The and date's I, important. And I I'm, agree. Uh, I'm along in the stock, so that's good for me. Where'd you buy Disney? I bought it twice. Uh, I bought it after the, uh, just after the Disney Plus pop, right, yeah. like a year yeah. ago, and then I yeah. bought it. I bought it like two months ago. I bought more. Oh, good buy in so, a second. I've never frowned. Average down. Exactly right. No, yeah. no, 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 Dennis, don't be. I, I got people. nervous on the Disney. Remember, I sold my Dis. I, I bought on the Disney Plus thing, and then I sold it because I was like, they're not coming out with enough new content, and I, you know, decided that Netflix was a better product, and I sold my Disney because of that. Obviously, you know, the whole COVID thing. I, 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 I like Disney. I love the franchise, but I, I still don't know how this opening is going to go. I mean, you got to wear a mask. Think about, think about this. How if everybody has to wear a mask? You know, you think you're gonna, you're not gonna bring any like, are you gonna make the babies like two, three year olds wear a mask, five year old wear a mask? I'll tell you right now, I've tried to put a mask on my, on, on, on Natalie. She's just turned three. There's no way. It's not gonna stay on. There. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. Now Spencer, you can talk with. He's five, so I was like, look, you gotta wear the mask. But he complained. I took him out, you know, and just went, you know, and and obviously we just went out, and I put the mask on him. He complained the whole time. Oh, I can't breathe. I hate this. I hate this. He's five. But he was still, you can kind of force it. But is it really a magical place? You're going to put a mask on your five-year-old? I mean, are they going to make the kids wear a mask? How does that work? It's it's like the most it's the best example of easier said than done right yeah I mean, it, it, it sounds it sounds okay everyone wear a mask but no way it's well there happen. was some no way. Uh, there was some educator on from uh on cnbc like a month ago and he was talking about you know masks in schools and all the kids are gonna wear for schools and it was preschoolers or, or the school like kids under grade three and he was saying any kid under grade three is like it's impossible He's like, you cannot get masks. They won't keep the masks on. It's impossible. He's like, once obviously you're over a certain age, then you can rationalize and you can talk and say, look, you got to wear the mask. You're not, get the two, three-year-olds ripping that mask off in two seconds. There's no way. 
Maybe never. So I, I don't know like how it, it's supposed to be a kid's place. I mean, Disney World's for, for the kids. So I, don't, I think a huge portion of the population is going to really struggle with a mandatory mask thing at Disney World. There's so many bloody issues here with Disney World. Sold to you, man. I, I just cannot. I, I, and again, maybe it's my logic. I just got to ignore logic because this market doesn't give a crap about logic. It just buys stocks because that's what it does. But 121 on Disney? Are you kidding me? I mean, I look at this thing and I think how many problems they got right now. 38% of the revenue from parks are all closed till July. They're burning cash. They got spent of the dividend. It's all gone. I mean, this argument has lost money because I was saying this when the stock was 100 bucks. The 121 here now, but it makes no sense. So you know what? Smarter places for my money, better, easier places for my money. I'm not buying Disney where it was in 2019 when Did everything was fly, firing on all cylinders. No, how, thank you. How are you going to eat cotton candy with a mask on? I don't understand any of it. Are I don't understand any of the food? restaurants. Like, what are you going to do? You got mandatory mask food. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You got to, okay, well, obviously you got to lift your mask, put the food in. The, the complexity of all of this, the only way I see Disney like really turning around and firing back to all time highs is that the virus gets cured or goes away. But again, maybe this market doesn't care. This market, it just doesn't care about any of that. It's going to buy it anyway. So don't get stuck with this one is what I'm saying. Because if this reopening doesn't go well, this will be the stock that gets hit the hardest. A lot, of, a lot of good news is priced in Disney right now. A lot of magic is priced into that stock price. That's a magical stock price at 121 for Disney. Well, if we're going to discuss Disney, let's also discuss like Six Flags, right? SIX. It's the, it's the same situation. Same, same story. Same, same story. Uh, Goldman coming out with a salary rating on Six Flags today. Just, uh, well, yeah, they were in them. trouble before this started. They, they, they had some, what was it? Some... Uh, they weren't they, doing great. They they had layoffs or they, there was something with related to doing a, a debt or they're raising some debt. I vaguely remember like a few months ago, like before this started, that Six, six Flags was in trouble. I mean, I, I, again, same story. Stock's nine bucks, 27. The easy money's been made. You're coming up buying Six Flags now. You're saying that we're all going back to normal and Six Flags is going to turn around. Like you were saying, this is having trouble before it started. I absolutely, this is the last stock I would want to own. So I agree complete with the Goldman here. I'd sell it too. What's, uh, I, I can't believe I don't know this symbol on that one. What is it? SIX. Oh, that's easy. Um, oh, yeah. So here, on, on, uh, on February 20th, they cut their dividend from 83 cents a share to 25 cents a share. I don't see a dividend at all on it now. I think it's nothing. Well, now. well it, may, it may be nothing now, but I'm saying they cut it in February before this started. Before it started. Right. Yeah, they, all these stocks, all these stocks, they've had such wicked rallies. SeaWorld's come way back to, you know, $20 from 6 bucks or 8 bucks or whatever it was. Again, the easy money has been made on all of this. So at this point in time, I, 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 again, I, I mean, I'm kind of talking, you know, both sides here because I don't understand why it keeps going up. I'm just saying as a trader, I'm going to keep riding, you know, the S&Ps, keep buying the dips and selling the rips because that's how I've been making money for the last three months. So market rallies, you know, 60, 70 handles, I'm selling stocks. Market sell off 50, 60 handles, I'm buying stocks. And that's just the way it's been working because it's been choppy all the way up. But if you're looking with your long-term investment portfolio, like what company can I invest in? It's not SeaWorld. I don't want to invest with Shamu. I'm sorry. I mean, this was a company that was struggling even before COVID. And okay, now we're going to go wear masks to, to watch Shamu. No, thank you. So there, there's better spots for your long-term money. 
Um, See, go ahead, Spence. I was just gonna real quick. We got. I, I, I was gonna say I have some bad news. Uh, Dennis Shamu uh, died a while ago. There's no so, Shamu. No. Well, what do you go to SeaWorld for? That was the whole. <laughs> I have point. some bad news for you on that front. There's no. What do you do at SeaWorld now? Then I thought you go watch Shamu, you know, and you pet his tongue. You can't do any of that now. Uh, I. No, I okay. Uh, really sold to you. <laughs> oh wait, so, no shampoo, uh, wait, so no thank you. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm just letting that there. Apparently, there's more than one shampoo. Okay. Well, I would think there's got to be some killer whales at SeaWorld, but uh, I liked it as a kid. I liked SeaWorld. Okay, I just learned that there's more. Well I, I just learned that there's more than one shampoo. So I guess when when one dies, they just give another one the same name. I, okay, whatever. Shampoo they, part two. There might still be a shampoo. Anyway, um, what about uh, SPC? SPCE here. So if you were, I know Spencer, you told us to you're buy the it. space trader, man. This Wait, is so listen call. up. So listen up. So the, yeah. so the launch was postponed and they're going to try again on Saturday. So if you believe that the general sentiment is going to be positive and people are going to be excited, I'm not saying it's rational, but if you think there's going to be some maybe irrational buying in space as, as it's going to be the story of the weekend, if they can get this launch, actually going on saturday then then you now have two more days to buy it and get ahead of it that's just my thought yeah i'm with you um when is the launch supposed to be saturday yeah i buy the pullback i'm with you on it on the spce again i liked it better at 15 and a half for 16 dollars <laughs> yeah. when we talked about it originally now you're at 17 because now you're you know you're coming up I still think there's room to 20 on this thing so yeah i'd be a buyer pullback on space i like yeah it. trade down a little Not bit long term yeah, a little bit. I mean, keep an eye on that close. Uh, nice, nice move up. Almost two bucks in two days. Really, three bucks in three days. So important to get over that closing price of seventeen fifty-two, uh, seventeen seventy-four high yesterday. I'm not, I'm not interested in this thing at fifteen, fourteen, thirteen, twelve, eleven, ten. Not interested in it. I don't think people are going to be trade, trade, three a trade, right? Three hundred fifty k to. I, I mean. But that was an out-of-this-world call, Spencer. I really got to give you credit <laughs> on that. I see what you did there, Joel. Uh, I just want to thank reach. everybody. And uh, we are, we're uh, popping the uh, concurrence here now. Um, well over 1,100. We nice. uh, just a lot of – I thought there was resistance here, but uh, we are we're just – We're breakout. Yeah, we're in a breakout mode here. All right. Imbalances, let's take a quick look. The story continues here. It's all your – Value, call them value stocks or lower P stuff. Banks all have big buy imbalance as well. As Fargo, 300000 to buy. Bank of America, 242000 to buy. Coca-Cola is interesting. It's got uh, 226000 to buy. It was strong yesterday at the open too. I didn't see what it did afterwards. Yeah, it opened near the highs and came in. So, you know, some, some of these are fades. General Electric. So let's talk Boeing for a second because we haven't talked Boeing yep. yet. Boeing is getting a lift. This is the main reason that I think a lot of those, you know, uh, call them, you know, the, the – getting back to normal trade are back on because Boeing had a, a get back to normal headline last night because they're re starting reproduction of the max. Yeah. So they're, they announced more layoffs and they announced that they're restarting production of the 737 max. So, and if you're looking here this morning, that. if you're looking at Boeing, they ripped it. They started ripping around this headline. They never stopped really. And it's uh, been a continued trade here. I mean, think about it. The stock is way off the low, off the highs. So there's room here. I wouldn't want to be short at, I'm not maybe going to chase it. I liked it better when we were talking about it at 135. Now it's 156. So obviously the easy money has been made, but they're moving it up here again this morning. It is lifting obviously two stocks, SPR, 
which is you know a direct play on parts for the Macs. GE also makes parts too. So if you're wondering why GE is having a good day, probably a little bit to do with Boeing as well. Uh, in Boeing here, pre-market high, you got up to 58.75. Then you kissed it a couple other times, two bucks off that. Do I have anything on the dailies? No, nothing really on that. Oh, I see a 158 high, 157.98. So to me, 158, 159, that looks like a sell area. If you can, uh, if you can pump through there, things open up to 164.80. Really couldn't tell you where. The only support here, inch or pre-market, is at 155. Been holding that since 645 this morning. So if you are playing it from the long side, you want to make sure that. 155 holds S&P's right back up here bouncing around really between 30 35 and 30 45 trying to find a direction but I'm just watching the the queues go down and uh, these stocks just this a complete lot. Yeah. separation queues yeah. are now down two dollars and 45 cents spies up a buck 20 you will Ooh. not see that hardly ever those things, you know, move in tandem together. There is complete separation here right now. People do not want tech. They want Boeing. So, Isn't this what we were complaining about? We were complaining for so long that, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's it, coming it, off. Right. It's it, coming it, off. It's, right. It makes some sense. I mean, if you think we're somewhat going back to normal, these stocks are too cheap and the tech stocks are too expensive. Right. So it somewhat makes sense. I know people are saying CRM is trading higher. CRM is way off the highs. It was 181 and change last night. Workday helping. Remember, Workday is a cloud play. Some of your cloud stocks are the only tech stocks that I'm seeing on my screen that are actually trading higher. But your chips are all way down, probably thanks a little bit to Hewlett Packard here. But, you know, your leaders, look at Apple, down $2.77. Microsoft, trading down $2.82. A big sell for Microsoft. Full disclosure, I own both of those. Google, so my long-term portfolio, not doing great today. I own Google. It's down 20 points here today. And... Um, Netflix, we just keep going through them. Netflix down six bucks here. Shopify trained down 20 points here right now. Amazon trained down 29 points. So amazing, you know, this money's been hiding in these stocks. And you know what? They needed to cool off. I mean, Apple almost made a new all-time high. It's time for it to cool off a bit. So I'm not selling it because, you know, I still believe in it long-term. I'm in from like 100 bucks, but I'm, I'm not adding to it at 319. I mean, I don't know who's buying these things at new all-time highs. We're not in a market where it's deserved. So I, I, crowded trades cool off, and they become uncrowded, and they're coming, and then that trade's coming off there right now. You know what stocks also cooled off here? Wingstop. Wingstop looks like it's made a rounding top. All right, Wingstop. I have. Get the hell out of that. I won't want that either. Yep. Wingstop. W's already come off. Spencer, it's a great eye. You're starting to get at this, Spencer. Spencer's good. He's good at this. You know, you got all kinds of... So you can stop yourself out at the high of 130, 119.86. I think you're right, too. I think the stock could be, you know, a, again, a play on delivery. Same thing with Domino's. Domino's Pizza had a nice rip and rally. It's right near the highs right now. Pizza. Maybe these plays still work, but these were stay-at-home plays that haven't been hit yet. So you're kind of finding the laggards of the stay at home that hasn't been hit yet. Pizza, Domino's, Wingstop. I, I'd be selling them if I owned them. Just my opinion. That Domino's chart is so weird with that gap and they immediately. Well, they had good numbers. Yeah. So they had good numbers yeah. and they bought it back, you know, and they dipped it. It's got a huge support at 360. So I guess you're trading with 380 to 360. But if this thing opens up, you know, and we're up a little bit here this morning, 375, I think it sets up as a short. Yeah. I'm with you. 
All right. Uh, I'm going to air this interview before I do that. Do either of you have any final thoughts on this market before we hit the nine o'clock hour? Just continue no. rotation. More it's we've continued been rotation. Yeah. And it's incredible here today with an exclamation mark behind it, the rotation. Yeah. Continuing that, that same theme from the past couple of days. All right. No. Uh, I'm going to air an interview that I did now uh, with a, a executive of a cannabis company. His name is Jim Cassiopo. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Jushi. I'm going to uh, let Dennis and Joel uh, dip out if they'd like. But we've been trying to get more uh, CEOs uh, on this show, more executive interviews. And this is one I did a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, they had just reported earnings at the, at the time that we were talking. So uh, I want to air this interview right now. Uh, and we talked about how this crisis is impacting uh, the company, but also how it's impacting just cannabis as a whole, what they're doing to get through it. So this is my interview now with Jim Cassiopo, the founder and CEO of Jushi. All right, I'm here now with Jim Cassiopo, the founder and CEO of Jushi. Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Spencer. Happy to be here. So let's just start off, Jim, with the recent headline. Uh, you recently reported earnings for uh, for the fourth quarter, and you also pre-reported pre uh, revenue for the first quarter. Talk about what the biggest wins were uh, for the quarter and, and, I guess, for the year. Sure. Thank you. Uh, so um, we did six million of revenue in Q4, and we pre-announced uh, Q1 uh, 2020 uh, revenue, which was 8.6 million. Uh, that's a 47% uh, growth rate, which is, I think, the fastest-growing uh, large cannabis company uh, at this point out there. Um, and uh, and then we we also uh, gave a March annualized revenue number, so we took the March. Because uh, we're so fast growing, we took the March um, a month and annualized it, and said that we're doing about 50 million a year at, as of uh, uh, at the end of uh, uh, March, and uh, and that and, and that compares to about 35 million annualized for the whole quarter of Q1. So it shows you the growth rate is keeps its high inflection rate throughout the quarter, uh, and just the uh, qualitative behind what I just gave you, the quantitative. Uh, is um, uh, uh, we opened up uh, six stores in Pennsylvania in 2019, uh, and and uh, uh, you know exited the year with six. We exited the first quarter with two uh, four stores. Uh, the growth came out of Illinois. We closed on a transaction that has two medical dispensaries uh, with an option for two more, so we'd have four in uh, Illinois. And those uh, two, we converted one to adult use, and and just closing that acquisition, uh, which didn't really close until the beginning of February, so we lost a month of it, and it's why it reflected so much in uh, March. Uh, and so, uh, just for your, uh, you know, viewers, uh, I think Pennsylvania and Illinois are considered two of the best states to be in. Uh, one adult use is Illinois, and the other as a recreational state. Uh, if you look at the large companies like Cresco, Cresco GTI, um, they're very, and Cureleaf, they're very concentrated in those states as well. So you're coming off uh, a year and a quarter where revenue was up substantially on a, on a sequential basis, but uh, a lot of models, a lot of plans got thrown out the window in these past few weeks. So how have you, how have you been handling this, this pandemic that we're in? How have you had to adjust? That's a great question, uh, question uh, Spencer. So from a sales perspective, uh, we benefited in March by a little bit of hoarding going on uh, where the stores had their best uh, week ever. 
but that was followed in April by a dip because people were scared uh, to go out and they, all, they already had their uh, medical supply and, and what they needed uh, generally. But then we, what we saw by the end of April is we were back to revenue numbers higher than when we started in March. So we feel like we went through this surge and then followed by a small dip as you would expect. And we're coming out in the end of April you know, flat to where we were in March, which is a good thing given all of the issues uh, operating a company in uh, COVID times. And, but you've had to close your physical locations, uh, I, would, I would imagine. No, we have not point. had to close no. physical locations. Okay. So we were deemed essential services in our two key states of Illinois and Pennsylvania. And, uh, uh, you know, there's slightly different designations that they use, but it's essentially uh, essential services. Yeah. And, and so what we, but what we did do is have to limit the crowd. So we, uh, uh, and, uh, and, the, and the states are, you know, these are very intelligent regulators uh, who listen to, uh, uh, you know, well-run companies like ourselves. And so the industry has gotten them to allow us to do things like curbside pickup. So the uh, patients and the uh, customers in the, in the adult use state don't, don't, don't have to get out of their car. Um, and we've done uh, medical Mondays in, in our adult use store, so only medical patients. We've also done medical hour. We call it wisdom hour. You have to be 50 years or um, you know, older to shop in the first hour of each day. So what we're doing is, is giving the medical patients the, uh, you know, they, they, they could have conditions and that make them more exposed to the uh, virus. And so we're doing that. And in all, with all these you know, issues that we're dealing with, spacing, limiting the number of people in the store, and uh, going to online order for adult use uh, only in some cases. You know, it's, it's, we're still doing a record sales, which shows that the, the, the business is growing. So I think it's very positive from what we've been able to achieve for our run rate operations, no closures and record sales. Cannabis is sort of in, in a weird spot here because uh, it, it is essentially a, a, a retail-driven business, uh, but unlike other forms of retail, you can't do delivery, uh, although I believe California said some some places could. Uh, but every state's different, and you really can't do delivery. It puts, it puts cannabis in this weird sort of middle ground right now. So how... How have you tried to, you mentioned a little bit some of the changes you've been making, but in terms of just like the online thing, how, is, how has that been transitioning? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so you're correct, Spencer. In many states, you cannot do delivery. California, you can. Virginia, which is a state that we're going to be launching this year, you can, okay. uh, but that's not effective now. But in the two important states to us, both Illinois and Pennsylvania, you cannot. And so but the key to us is we uh, relaunched our Beyond Hello uh, a website, and it's a fantastic website, beyond slash hello.com. And, uh, and we're, we are, we, I think we have one of the world-class uh, uh, websites uh, with the pre-order capability. So we now have a huge percent of our sales. It's only been open for about two weeks. It hasn't been promoted. Like our web guys say it's amazing, you know, how much traffic. It, it, just, it just shows you the demand for the product. And the fact that people are searching for our stores because they like our stores is really tremendous. And we're not even promoting it. And I, I, this is an incorrect number, but I mean, almost half our sales are coming on pre-orders now. Do, do you that's, feel that's huge? And that, that's only like, been happening for two weeks. Right, right. Do you feel like that's the that's the future of not just your business but the industry? Just going yeah, more I, online. Yes, I do. I think that you know, I l listen. I I believe that with the markets recognized, if you look at companies. Uh, certain companies are benefiting from the virus 
like uh, you know Amazon and uh, um, you know the stocks at records and, and you know and Apple's done very well. A lot of technology stocks, Facebook, uh, people are more engaged online. The gaming companies like Activision. I think cannabis people are you know are still a great value because people don't realize that we're benefiting now. The, the world will go more online is why those stocks are benefiting, but more online for cannabis is a great thing because it, 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 it increases our uh, uh, workflow, makes it easier for the customer. We, we, trend, we, trend, we tend to have a, a younger uh, customer base and patient base than uh, uh, different kinds of industries that are more adept at being online. So it works very well for our industry and with a virus that's gonna be with us, it looks like for 12 to 24 months, you know, people just gonna get used to that. And for us, that's gonna be a great because it's easier to service a pre-order. They just come in and pick it up. We hope to get Amazon, like Amazon type boxes where you just come in and you open up a box, no human interaction, curbside, curbside pickup. Uh, so we believe that this will be a lasting impact which reduces our labor costs, which we're super excited about, increasing our store level uh, EBITDA margins. Yeah, just accelerating the trend that was already there, which is the shift towards e-commerce. It's been a... It, 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 it accelerated, and I don't think it's going back. I mean, these yeah. people ordering online, why wouldn't you want to go on and choose the menu? You do it for everything else in your life. Why wouldn't you want to do that for cannabis? Uh, so I've been surprised. I thought, you know, being, you know, a little bit of an old school guy, I thought it would be more like, a, you know, when I got into this business a few years ago, it might be like a record store where, yeah. you know, in the day, in my day, you'd go and hang out in a record store and, you know, just kind of fun, just kind of browse. And I thought, you know, cannabis would have that flavor. Our data shows we're a very, very data driven company. You know, we're very, very, we, we, we really have a goal to be the most data driven cannabis company out there bar none. And there's many reasons for that. Um, but, but, uh, but our data shows us pe people come in and out of these stores in three to five minutes and they're just, they, 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 after a while, they just know what they want. They don't need a lot of, uh, interaction with, uh, the bud tenders. Interesting. Really interesting. Uh, you mentioned a few states, you mentioned Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, Illinois. Why are those states so critical? So, um, uh, yeah, so just a little background for the viewers. Uh, uh, each state is like a different country, right? Because it's federally illegal. So every state has a different rule. And so it's like if you're, if you're operating a business uh, in, in one state, it could be completely different than another state. You know, for example, Colorado, you know, it's, it's been a free market, easy to get licenses and, you know, got oversupplied. There were just too many stores, too many cultivators, and it hasn't, hasn't been good. Uh, and now it's gotten more consolidated and got better, but it, it, it wasn't very good. So you have to go into states you know, you're, you're investing a lot of money up front uh, on these um, licenses and building out operations. And you need states where you can actually make money and, uh, and where there's some limit to the number of licenses. Uh, Illinois and Pennsylvania both provide that, as does Virginia. Il Illinois is very, you know, pretty well-known market. It switched over to REC in January. Uh, it's probably the most exciting market in cannabis. I don't think there's any debate on that. Uh, we have to be super positioned. We'll have four companies, uh, four uh, stores. You're allowed to have 10. We'll have four. We have fabulous locations. Uh, two will be uh, in a place called Sauge, which is effectively East St. Louis. Um, and and uh, tremendous doors. One of them is in a very uh, well-trafficked uh, nightlife area. And then two are in a, a, a very much of a college booming, uh, cool town in uh, Bloomington, uh, normal. Um, and, we, and, we, and we actually, I think there's a lot of people who talk about city stores. We love, you know, more suburban rural stores because the rents are less, the employees are, are more reasonable in their demands, uh, have less, you know, a cost of living demands. 
and uh, and people you know really uh, enjoy the product. Um, and so you know you know that that's a big focus for ours in Illinois. In Pennsylvania, we have a license. We have licenses uh, under our, our ownership for twelve. Uh, you're allowed to have fifteen. We have an acquisition that should close in the next uh, month or two that has three more. So we'll be at the max that you're allowed to have 15 dispensaries, which is about a 10% of the whole market. So we're one of the three big players in Pennsylvania, um, along with GTI. And um, uh, the other one is, uh, there's one other that has, <laughs> it's just slipping my mind. And, and so, um, we, you know, we're one of the big two or three. And, and, um, and we have nine in the metro uh, Philadelphia area, including three in downtown Philly, one very close to the University of Pennsylvania and Drexel. So we're super excited about our footprint. Uh, Pennsylvania has uh, been very well regulated. They got the doctors and the medical community involved very early uh, uh, by program design. Uh, they uh, quickly allowed uh, anxiety condition, which makes it, you know, much uh, more reasonable program to, to allow people to use it. And then they also allow flower uh, at the end of uh, 2018. Tremendous progress uh, very, very quickly. And uh, there's a rec uh, adult use uh, uh, a legislation that's being ginned up. And we think, we think there's a good chance that happens next, uh, this year and gets uh, uh, implemented, meaning they'll start adult use sales in 2021. So we're possibly, you know, we're only like a you know, hundred and something million market cap. So on just those two states, we're the best pure play and the most VIG, because if you look at com companies that have the biggest footprints, like uh, Cresco and, and GTI, they're a couple billion dollar market cap companies. So we offer a lot of potential upside uh, focusing in on those states. And going to your question, Spencer, on Virginia, you know, that, that is a very unique to Jushi. You know, you don't have that opportunity to play a company that's in Virginia. Uh, there's only one other public company that has a footprint there. In that state, they give you a region, um, and we are in a region that's in Northern Virginia, uh, and we have a monopoly in that region, and they recently changed the legislation there to make it more favorable, uh, where we got five additional stores, and they took away the THC cap. Tremendous. That was, that was kind of our investment thesis going into Virginia, as we thought democratically controlled. Uh, there was a lot of demand for it in the state, the population, the people wanted it. And we thought it would move very quickly to a very uh, 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 good program medically. Um, and it has, and, and we're gonna open up a, a, our facility uh, in uh, uh, July, and we hope to get the stores open by the fourth quarter in Virginia. So you mentioned that each state is sort of like a different country. Uh, this is a question that I ask every multi-state operator uh, executive that I speak to, but like, what are the different challenges of that? Because I would imagine they are challenging in regular times, but in times like these, it's even more so of, of a hurdle or a headache to navigate the different compliance and regulatory uh, 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 frameworks in, in all seven states that you're in. Yeah, so I, I, I think you're exactly spot on. It's a highly complex business. Uh, the reason why I founded Jushi with uh, three other co-founders, it, it was I was the driving force uh, to, to pull everybody together. Um, and they had worked for me, had been friends of mine, and, or, or we'd done deals together. And, and uh, was I, I've been investing in the industry for a number of years. I've run a hedge fund. 
and and uh, I noticed that there weren't uh, very many uh, management teams that took it seriously in terms of the critical infrastructure required. So given the complexity of the business, so you point out the different states, that's one complexity, yes. So that means you have to understand regulations, you have to different lobbying, different compliance, and it requires more people, the critical infrastructure, to do that. And the second thing is, is, is you're, you're, you're cultivating, uh, you're doing extraction, and you're doing retail, three different businesses. Uh, you know, the cultivation obviously is more like farming, but it's more high degree of difficulty farming because of the quality flower you're trying to grow, uh, because, you know, quality flower obviously is in demand and gets a premium. Uh, and then extraction is, 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 a, is a, you know, uh, more of a chemical reaction. Uh, you need chemists and you need uh, skills in, in, in doing something, creating a differentiated product and branding. And then retail is a whole different business. So we're all three. So you have that complexity as well. So we look at building Jushi, uh, the fact that we have this critical infrastructure, we're carrying a, a decent G, uh, general administrative uh, expense, uh, but that we view that as an asset, not a liability. We've created a platform. We can put on new uh, states or new acquisitions on top of it without adding any significant GNA. So we're poised to go out there and take advantage of this weak stock market uh, and utilize what we have as a competitive advantage. And there's not a lot of other companies, certainly none our size that have what we have. So, so aside from the shift to uh, e-commerce that we, that we talked about, what do you think uh, the other long-standing uh, effects of this pandemic will be on the cannabis industry? So again, we're seeing uh, record sales, uh, you know, in our system, you know, if I look at Pennsylvania, it's the same store sales, because we just have the six stores. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we're seeing more use. I think part of it is, is online just easier. But I think also, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the, the, the medical uh, medicinal benefits of uh, the uh, cannabinoid uh, uh, plant is, is, is such that, you know, it helps out with uh, sleep uh, uh, and anxiety. Um, and, and, and I think we're living in a little bit more anxious time. And, um, also, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a terrible time to be in opiates because it's, it's the, the negative effects where COVID attacks your body. There's a lot of things like ibuprofen, Advil, and, and, uh, a lot of pills and opiates are one of them, uh, that you don't want to be on because you're more exposed to the negative you know, the extreme negative consequences that may result in death by taking these things. Our, our product, uh, uh, it seems to us, we have a great medical director uh, at a Buffalo who has more cannabis patients than any doctor in the country. Uh, we feel like we have you know, a lot of credentials on that front. And, and you, know, we, you know, we feel like that this does not have the risks. You know, of course, we're not you know, scientists, but we, don't, we haven't heard or seen that. Um, and and uh, so we think that's possibly you know, a long-term benefit. And we haven't seen the cost. And, and I think, you know, well, we have seen the cost. I think the cost is it's a little slow to roll out your operations because, you know, getting things, construction, that's going to be with us, we think, for months, you know, and, and possibly a year or more, you know, just getting construction done, getting the regulators to focus. They're busy with the healthcare crisis. You know, they don't have time to sort through every little thing that, you know, we need them to do. So it just slows down your rollout a bit. And I think that's something that'll be around for a while, not permanently, of course, you know, once the virus passes, but I think it's going to be, uh, things are getting done, don't get me wrong, but it just instead of taking, you know, a month or two, it might take, you know, three or four months uh, to get something done, like a new store. 
So, Jim, uh, just uh, looking ahead here, you mentioned some M&A. Do you think there will, do you expect consolidation in the industry? M&A is, read in your report, one of your focuses. Do you expect that to be a major theme going forward? I I think, listen, there's been a lot of M&A in the sector uh, in 2018 and 19 in particular, uh, by us and by a lot of others. Um, So do I think it'll get back to those frenzied levels? No. Uh, why? Because the best funded companies, like uh, I've mentioned, Cureleaf, uh, GTI, and uh, 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 are, are in the states they need to be in, by and large. I mean, they can add here and there. So the, the biggest buyers are done. So what we have, but I do think there'll be, there'll be M&A, but there's, we're in a very favorable position with, with just a handful of other companies, uh, and, and it's a very small number of companies. Uh, and I think we're best positioned because we're such a strong management team. We have an M&A team that worked at investment banking and the hedge fund world and the distressed industry, including myself, for many, many years. We have about over 100 years of, of experience in the distressed uh, uh, world in, in investing. And right now, you're seeing uh, a lot of companies, uh, private and public, that are out of money. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, one of the things they have to do is sell assets. Uh, and, uh, or they, you know, if they're private and they have a store or two in California and they're throwing in the towel effectively. And, and so we're in a great position. So I, that'll be an important part of our strategy because going back to your question about the complexity of the business, you know, I pointed out the critical, critical infrastructure, which is the general administrative expense, the corporate expense. We have that fully built out and we can add these onto the platform with no significant increase in that. And, and then we have access to the capital markets. I mean, we raised money in December and January. Not many companies yeah. did. Um, and, and so I, I believe it'll be an important part of our story. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, the best deals we've seen um, since I, I've been in the business. Yeah, that $20 million raise, you had no way of knowing it at the time, but that was probably some, yeah. amazing, well, that was some amazing timing on that. Yeah, I mean, we also raised 27 in December, so it was actually a total yeah. of 47 million. So we did 47 between Q, uh, December and January. Uh, but we're, you know, we, we knew the, the needs of the industry. We knew the risk of the capital markets going away. I mean, you know, this gets fairly technical, but you have some, you know, maybe some fairly technical people who listen in on this. But the volatility in these stocks is as high as you can get, you know, because of, you know, of the nature of the business. And, and so, you know, when that happens, the capital markets shut from time to time because you get the downside volatility. So we're, you know, we're very adept in risk management. That's been, a, I've run major multi-billion dollar hedge funds. Uh, I've been in the hedge fund business for 25 years. So we're very adept at understanding risks. And so, you know, we, we like to be cashed up uh, at all times. And, and, uh, and then we have, a, we have a nice following amongst uh, well-heeled investors and we could tap into that network. And by the way, we've raised 185 million in two years and the founders, including myself, have put in uh, 40 million of that. So we kind of, uh, we eat our own cooking as we like to say in the hedge fund world. So we, it's not just other people's money. We eat our own cooking. We're an important part of the capital structure. All right, Jim Cassiopo is the founder and CEO of Jushi. Jim, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, thank you, Spencer. Appreciate the opportunity. All right, so that was my chat with Jim Cassiopo. I want to wrap it up here. Thanks to Jim for taking the time. Thanks to our other guest today, Mark Chaikin. Uh, you can catch a replay of this show on YouTube or on our podcast, whatever podcast platform you prefer. And please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or 
training advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Thursday. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, have a great rest of your day and stay safe. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.